This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipIt.tv. I was right. Uh, no, I was right. I was right. Uh, we were right. We were right, weren't we? And you were right with us. And because you were right with us, we want to celebrate being right. We want to celebrate Philadelphia sports being good, but also we want to celebrate being right. In style at the Underground Arts Theater. Friday, December 22nd. There are a lot of guests already. You guys have Chris Ryan. Yes, of TheRinger.com. We're bringing on Larry Poff. He's of our course, baby. Writes to Ricky Sanchez podcast, BGN Radio. We were right before Christmas. Live dual podcast show at the Underground Arts Theater. If you're not there, uh, you're square. You're a, very, you're a fool. You're wrong. Actually, if it's you, cool to be square. If, if you're... Okay, Huey. <laughs> if you're not there, let's put it this way. December 22nd, we were right before Christmas. If you're not there... You were wrong. That's right. Tickets on sale right now for $18, $20 day of. Don't wait for the day of. This will sell out. UndergroundArts.org. Hey, it's Friday. It means it's time for another Friday conversation. Kick off your shoes. Leave work a little early. Even grab a few beers as we're going to sit down and talk with Joe McAtee from the Turf Show Times. How is this fan base coming together? Is it still in St. Louis? Are they actually gaining fans in L.A.? Plus, we want all the skinny on who and what the Rams are. And we're going to get to that right now. Here's my conversation with Joe McAtee from the Turf Show Times. Hey, what's going on, John? Uh, well, uh, a lot's going on. There's uh, We got a playoff matchup uh, once again this weekend. And uh, although there are a ton of Eagles fans in L.A. And there's been uh, now a year removed from uh, you know St. Louis. And how's the transition been, I guess, from like year one? Jeff Fisher's still there. Uh, Jared Goff looks like a, a lost cause. Now, you know, here's McVay. His offense looks great. Jared Goff looks great. Uh, what's, what's been the, the transition like between the people that have been waiting for this team in St. Louis, the new fans in L.A.? What's it been like for you just to cover this team now? I think what's been interesting is that there was no real progression, right? There was no sense of, okay, we're getting better okay, we're good. Now we're there. It just happened. It, it, and it, it really, it took place in an off season before the football. That's what's made it so interesting is that the transition happened before any of the football got played. And I don't know that we've ever seen a team as bad as the Rams were certainly on offense in 2016, correct. So many things on the field before any football got played uh, in a single off season. That's what's been wild for the fan base. You know, like you said, you've got, you've got some disparate groups, new fans 
or fans that uh, in Los Angeles just stopped following the team in St. Louis that that made it easy to stop following because the team got so bad <laughs> by 2007 uh, that now that they've gotten good again and obviously having returned last year have picked up that fandom versus people that have stuck through it. And, you know, for for a franchise that hasn't had a winning season since 2003, hasn't made the playoffs in a little bit more than a decade, it has certainly felt that long, if not longer. And so I think more than anything, everybody who's on board is just ready to, you know, see how far this goes and see what kind of a team uh, the Rams are going to become under Sean McVay. And you mentioned that, you know, the offense did correct itself. I can't, this is the other thing I can't believe about this team. You guys have the least amount of drops in the NFL Right now, for a team that had, you know, Tavon Austin, who's who they're still trying to figure out what's going on a year ago, and and really nothing there as far as a wide receiving court. And now it's it's Cooper Cup, and it's uh, you know, it's Sammy Watkins, and everybody catches whatever Jared Goff throws to him. What's what do you think has been the success of? of the wide receiving core this far? I think number one, I mean, you alluded to it, it's the turnover. A year ago, it was Case Keenum and then Jared Goff throwing to Kenny Britt and Brian Quick and Lance Kendricks and Tavon Austin. And they've gone ahead and just remade the entire passing attack in terms of the personnel. They brought in Robert Woods through free agency, uh, drafted Cooper Cup, uh, as well as Josh Reynolds, rookie out of Texas A&M, and then added Sammy Watkins in that late trade in the preseason. So they were able to just remake the entire passing attack in terms of the targets on the fly. Uh, they added a tight end through the draft, Gerald Everett, second-round rookie. Uh, he goes along with uh, Tyler Higby, who was a fourth-round rookie last year. So it's just been the dram- – and that was really you know, part of the heart of the turnaround. As much as it's the brilliance of Sean McVay and the improved play from guys like Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, it's also these personnel additions, the wide receivers and Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan on the offensive line. And when you combine all three, new coaching staff, improved performance from the guys that have been there, and then all this new personnel, it's a complete night and day effect in terms of where they were in last year and where they are this year on offense. And speaking of, I, w- I want to get to Jared Goff in a second, but you did mention Case Keenum last year, and this is the thing I can't figure out. We, Unfortunately, for you and I, we've seen way too much Case Keenum footage from whether it's in Houston or whether it was, you know, last year with the Rams. Is he good now or what's the deal? Because I can't figure it out. Well, I think the, the bottom line is that good coaches and, and good front offices that put good, good, good personnel, Gerd, that, I'm, I feel like a old, what's that girl? Oh, Irma Gerd. Irma Gerd. Good GMs and front offices that can put quality personnel around quarterbacks, even if they're not a good quarterback, can at least make them look like it, right? Whether you're talking about, you know, when Alex Smith and the Chiefs are in a good groove or Case Keenum and Sam Bradford at times in Minnesota, you, if you've got good coaching staff that, that put good personnel on the field, you can at least make quarterbacks look better. A, a great example of when, uh, you know, along with Case Keenum, Jared Goff from 2016 to 17, look at Nick Foles, right? Nick Foles, and I get it, you know, by the end of his time with you guys, it, you guys were ready to move on. But you go back to that first year, he had, what, two interceptions, I think it was, right? Yeah, so 27-2, baby. Flawless. That's right. 27-2. and two. He did not have 27-2 and two with the Rams, right? <laughs> I mean, it was, just, it was that kind of a situation where – because the coaching staff was deficient in terms of being able to coach up, especially that position, but an offense in general, and the Rams until this year just didn't have the personnel to run an effective offense, it didn't matter whether the quarterback was good or not. It was a situation, you, you look at Jared Goff in his first year, it was a situation where it just wasn't going to be possible to thrive. And whether it's Goff or now Case Keenum, who's gone and found himself a good situation, 
when you put the right pieces around guys, they can thrive. And I think that's what's happening with Case Keenum. How good he's going to be, I think we're going to find out in the weeks ahead. Oh, yes. And I, I hope he becomes – that's been my theory. This is like the Nick Foles year. And it's just this yeah. one a really nice run with a really nice defense in Minnesota. And, yeah, it and, could be. And both of these fan bases are probably going like, yeah, please let that be true. Uh, let's stick with Jared Goff, though, for a moment. I, I, obviously, you've already explained Sean McVay and – I, and we've seen it a lot here too. It's so enjoyable to watch this Rams offense and what he's been able to do. And I got to eat some crow uh, with Jared Goff because I pretty much left him for dead. I didn't like him coming out of the draft. But w what specifically has he done to improve his game and not just part of being uh, the the great offensive scheme that, that McVay has done here? Yeah, so, I mean, you got to start with the reason he was drafted number one, and it's just physical skills. He's got, you know, prototypical height. He's got a great arm. He moves well. I mean, he's not solely a pocket passer. He does have some athleticism. Um, he, he, he's got some accuracy. It's not, you know, pinpoint, but it's good enough where early on in his career, it's going to help him get through some difficult uh, situations as a passer. So physical skills, like me, what Case Keenum necessarily doesn't have and why Case Keenum wasn't a first-round pick, Jerry Goff checks all those boxes. Off the field, he checks all those boxes. He's a mature kid in the sense that, you know, Los Angeles and popularity doesn't get to him. He's kind of aloof in a dorky kind of way. But, uh, you know, you look at guys like Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, that's kind of a good thing sometimes. And he kind of checks all those boxes of what you're looking for. The problem was when they got him on the field last year because he didn't have the guys around him and the system was just so uh, decrepit. It just wasn't happening. And he wasn't ready to take command of that kind of situation and marshal that kind of run-and-gun offense into something more productive the way that some old Titans teams had under J.F. Fisher. Uh, when Sean McVay comes in with a new system, part of what it's done is oversimplify things, which, you know, you got a 22-year-old, now 23-year-old quarterback who had only started seven games in his rookie season. Oversimplifying things is probably the way to go, right? And, and keeping it simple, minimizing the reads, and just having him go through some pre-snap stuff and saying, look, if this is here – that's your throw, and you know it's going to be there. Trust your guys to be able to make plays. That was the real MO for the first couple months of the season. It's gotten a little bit more complex as we moved on, uh, but for the most part, they're running a really, really simplified system with positive offensive line play and talented wide receivers, and they're making it happen. Absolutely, and uh, has he figured out which uh, way the sun rises yet, by the way? I, I know I, that's I been a year it. late <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. the the funny thing is he's the kind of guy where, as soon as he puts that to bed he's going to say something that's going to create another media <laughs> cycle where people go off he's just that kind of a guy he's kind of goofy he's from northern california he loves northern california he doesn't really care about the hype he's kind of uh gun shy when it comes to popularity he's kind of an anti-todd Gurley in that sense he doesn't yeah. have the personality that jumps off the page but for a, a quarterback Maybe that's kind of what you want in this era of the NFL. Well, yeah, and in NoCal, you're already bred and born to hate uh, Southern California, so it works out. Right. Uh, it works out like gravy for him. On the flip side, now, I yeah. mean, uh, Wade's been doing his thing. The, the same things that he's been usually doing. You have Aaron Donald. You have a lot of premier guys. Is it are the numbers lying to us a little bit though when they say that the Rams are struggling in the run defense, or, or have they? Is that a lot more improved than maybe the stats say right now. No, I'd say the stats are pretty on point. I mean, the 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 talent level in the secondary is off the charts. They've got an incredibly talented secondary across both cornerbacks and safeties. So obviously teams are going to lean into the run in the first place, even with Aaron Donald up front. What's been troublesome is the play of the linebackers, both outside line, both starting outside linebackers, Robert Quinn and Connor Barwin, who's probably still injured this week. 
uh, just haven't been that good in the run. You guys probably remember Connor Barwin well. And then on the inside, Mark Barron's done a phenomenal job, but obviously as a transition safety out of Alabama, you expect run defense skills to not be an issue there. It's really been Alec Ogletree, who's a converted outside linebacker, who moved inside because he had the football intellect to be able to handle the signals and, and the calls for the defense but maybe doesn't have the skill set to play run defense on the inside of a 3-4. And so because of that, along with an issue on the final defensive end spot across from Aaron Donald, it's just not a great run defense. And they they struggled along with it last week against Arizona for a couple drives where, you know, Kerwin Williams, of all people, started carving them up. And, uh, you know, I think every team has issues. You know, you can't have a, a team with 53 pro bowlers. And I think that's the biggest Achilles heel overall for the Rams right now, along with the lack of collective experience of, you know, so coming on the back of a decade of a poorly run franchise is that technically the biggest issue that they've got is defending the run. And uh, aside from that then, so that's uh, that's out there and that's obvious. What is the best thing that this defense does? Is it disguising? Is it blitzing? Is it throwing you off? Is it just playing sound defense? What's the best thing this defense does? Yeah, it's coverage. And I think that's lending itself to some coverage sacks that are puffing up the numbers. The pass rush isn't great. Um, you go back to, you know, Wade Phillips' best defenses in Dallas and Denver. He's always had a hoss on the outside, and we just don't have one right now. Uh, Robert Quinn was that guy a couple of years ago. He put up some phenomenal numbers and was looking like one of the best 4-3 defensive ends in the entire NFL. But uh, he's had some injuries the last two years, and they're the kinds of injuries that can affect your body, hip and back injuries. And I think uh, a lot of Rams fans are coming to the consensus that maybe it's affected what he can actually do even when he's healthy, and he just doesn't look the same. And so because they don't have a great pass rush, uh, the numbers are getting puffed up from the coverage, but that's really one of the things they do incredibly well. Trumaine Johnson, who's the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, but only because he's gone through two successive franchise tags, plays across from Kayvon Webster, who played under Wade Phillips with the Broncos. Uh, they've got depth at cornerback, even Nikel Roby Coleman, who came over from that wave of personnel additions from the Bills. A really good corner in the slot. And then at the back for safeties, they've got John Johnson, who's a rookie. Uh, and plays alongside LaMarcus Joyner, who's one of the more underrated players in the NFL. It's a phenomenal secondary, and I think that paired with Aaron Donald is enough to really help you uh, overall as a defense negate a pass and then try to work down on the run if they can. All right, as always, then, what? Uh, how do you feel this one It turns out in the end on uh, Sunday afternoon here? You know what's interesting it, it, uh, is that, I don't know, I'm sure you guys saw it because you posted on Bleeding Green Nation, is that you know Fox is going to do their pregame show from the Coliseum. I and thought that was really If you looked cool. at the, and I mean, that's, that's where these teams are. What's been interesting this year for the Rams because they got, you know, so good so quick is that it feels like we're transitioning. And I, uh, part of it is me shoehorning the every game into this kind of framing, but I like it. So I'm going to keep doing it is that it feels like we're entering this new era of the NFL, right? Where Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and Dak Prescott and all, all these new stars that have come into the league and guys like Peyton Manning have retired. Tom Brady is as good as he's playing. Whatever it comes is going to come. One day, Tom Brady will not be in the NFL. I don't know when it is, but it feels like it's soon, right? Because that era of the NFL seems to be coming to an end. And it feels like this is a great way to kick off this next era of the NFL. Now, I'd love for that to come with a win. And I got I to gotta be a homer and go with it. But what I think is most interesting is that the eyes of the NFL are turning towards these kinds of matchups, that they're turning towards Alvin Kamara and not necessarily Drew Brees with the Saints. Mm -hmm. They're turning towards Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and not Jason Witten or Sean Lee on the Cowboys. And so, you know, what's going to be really interesting, I know everybody's going to talk about Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, but there's so many other guys on both sides of the ball 
that are putting these franchises into a great spot to compete for years to come. And I think this is a this is almost not like a one game issue. It's almost like a kickoff, right? Where you know Manning Brady existed for years and years and years, and I, we all know that the NFL is go- likely going to try to make Golf and Wentz into the same kind of thing, if for nothing else, just to market the hell out of it. Uh, but it's going to be a really, really exciting way to see if that's uh, what comes out of this game, especially if the performances from those two come anywhere near the billing that uh, I'm sure we both hope it does. Oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's that's kind of where it's heading, and it's nice to have like a uh, on top of all of that. To me, I mean. The Rams season's pretty much locked in for the most part. The Eagles season's pretty much locked in for the most part. This is basically a preview into, all right, what do you got to correct in the playoffs once you see these guys again? That, that's how I look at it for me, and especially with you know the Vikings. We got a little taste of that from uh, Seattle last week, yep. and you guys have that on your plate as well. So it's uh, yeah, yep. it's, it's going to make for an entertaining Sunday. That is uh, Mr. Joe McAtee, and this is Friday Conversations. We appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Anytime. Love talking with Joe. Really knows the fan base, really knows what he's talking about. Turfshowtimes.com if you want to check out more stuff on what's going on this week with the Rams. I got to say, I didn't expect the Eagles to have some luck starting on Thursday night. And hopefully, maybe this is a good omen because this is just how the NFL works a lot of the time. Listen, the AFC South is absolutely crazy right now. It's it's pretty nuts. You've got Carolina 8 and 4, Atlanta comes away with a win at 8 and 5, and there goes Drew Brees and company to that wonderful 9 and 4 record that they have there. Uh and that game was nuts. I nuts in the sense that like how does that happen? I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen Matt Ryan look so bad and that still didn't matter. Because Atlanta came to play with their defense, and honestly, I think the injuries clearly affected the Saints when Kamara goes out early and Ingram wasn't there. And then towards the end where they didn't really run in the red zone at all, uh, and Dan Quinn thinks he's got a, a shot to go win the thing by accepting you know, a penalty, and a holding penalty, and to make it fourth and one, and Sean Payton goes, oh, no, no, no. No, we're going to try and win this thing right now. And that's always kind of the bait, right? It's just like, hey, you just got to play conservative there and kick the field goal because, well, then the game would have been tied and you force Atlanta to go and score. But, you know, you go and try and win the football game right there and make Atlanta score a touchdown. That's all. That's always the right call. Uh, and I disagree with Chris Collinsworth if you watched any of that last night where he said, they sh- Dan Quinn, it's an easy call. You should have accepted the penalty. I didn't. I didn't see that at all. Uh, I, I thought the same way. I was like, all right, the Saints are going to kick the field goal and, and try their luck here uh, on defense. But regardless of all that, this is just where it starts to get a lot of fun because that's going into the weekend. Still, the most important thing, no matter what, is the Eagles can beat the Rams here, and that's obvious reasons. But then you have Carolina taking on Minnesota. That's a big game and a big week for both of those franchises. Now, I don't like the Carolina's chances, especially uh, I believe they're heading into Minnesota. But even so, Carolina's still not proven to be a team, despite their record, that can just handle uh, their business from from day to day. And maybe it's just that they don't match up with the Saints very well. I don't expect them to match up against Minnesota that well either. And then you have uh, some other things. And I I'm, I guess there there is some debate because I put up a, a chart of – things that could go the right way for the Eagles this week. And I had Jacksonville over Seattle. 
I thought that's a good thing to happen if if Seattle loses to try and I, I'm I am all for a Seattle wild card somehow if that works out. Uh, now that's that's going to be really tough considering their the division and the records that are going in there too. But uh, I don't know what, whatever makes Seattle have to play at home less. I am all for. There are some arguing that like no, you want Seattle to win because of the strength of schedule and how it would work out. So you want it to be still look good for the Eagles in some regard. And just like all right, I I guess I kind of get that too. But more importantly, everybody is is rooting for uh, a Minnesota loss at this point. And then I threw some others in there. Like it would be fun if the Giants beat Dallas just because of the hilarity of it, and also because that's that's it for them. Can pretty much rule them out after that. Actually, in in fact, if I'm doing my math right, and somebody can correct me on Twitter, I believe if they lose, that's it. The division's over at that point as well. So that's a good thing heading into the weekend. But still, you don't want the Eagles to lose this game and still clinch the division because it would it would feel weird. But that's the other thing that has has been happening this week. And I got to tell you, uh, we were down with the WIP morning show today, and people are so pumped about this game. That was the most satisfying thing that I heard today. People lining up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m. on the phones at at 6 o'clock right on the dot from the airport and wanting to make sure they chime in, doing little Eagles chants. We had a kindergarten class call in today and just do Eagles chants for the entire time. Like, the energy is definitely there. This is a playoff setting. Fox, you know, certainly knows this too, and they're happy as pig shit that NBC uh, was not able to snatch this away from them. Uh, so badly so, and I don't know if this has been this has been said a lot throughout the week, but Fox is literally trying to hire actors to be Rams fans so it doesn't get you know too lopsided here. They know what's coming between WIP being out there and obviously the Green Legion being out there and just everybody that travels automatically to a place. And listen, LA is a kind of a, a very nice destination spot in the middle of December. I know it's not that cold here in Philly, but it's cold enough where you're enjoying 70 degree weather and you have an, a, another opportunity to once again take over an opposing stadium. That to me is is incredible to do. And I know it's two new franchises that are in the area and L.A. is going to have such a tough time building this thing. But, hey, if the Chargers and Rams are in the playoffs this year, you're going to get a lot of the, the fair-weather L.A. fans that they need to fill the stadium, and it'll be fun and whatever. And maybe you can get some some of the, the younger uh, Los Angeles folks to really jump on board at that point, and, and there'll be a clash of St. Louis and, and L.A. fans for a long time. But regardless of all that, it's just amazing that a coach at home is getting asked, and I'm talking about Sean McVay here, is <laughs> like, what are you? What are your plans for crowd noise? And will you go to a silent count? And he says it's possible. That's amazing to me. And then secondly, when he's basically begging all of Los Angeles to come to the game, hey, we're really winning here. And we would really enjoy some fan support when it comes to a game like this. They know it, too. They know, and I think it's scared. Fox, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily scaring the Rams or their coaches because, whatever, It's they're football players. They're not They're not fans. They're not diving in and like, oh, no, our stadium's going to be taken over. Whatever. Uh, they're, they're pissed. They, they, I think the Eagles' target is still big on their back. They want to show that 
were the team to beat in the NFC. And it's it's odd how so weird and, and shaped their the second year of both quarterbacks are. And granted, they're dealing with a, a rookie head coach, and I I almost wonder what would have happened if if the success kind of would have flipped, and this was Doug Peterson's first year, and all this stuff was was kind of happening uh, the same way it is with Sean McVay. And I always, <laughs> I think obviously we would have a, a lot of different opinions on Doug Peterson and and the like and whatever. But um, I, I'm just so ready for this football game. I I didn't think that I would be this amped, but it really does feel like a playoff game and it it I'm ready to just unleash the beast maybe even swing my shirt around as we're watching this thing like I I want this to be such a perfect Sunday and maybe it won't be and and listen even if it's not and even if the Eagles lose here which would definitely suck that would be terrible that would be awful because then it's mostly for the takes you know I'm 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 I would still feel okay about this Eagles team and just be like, all right, it's not exactly what it was. And yeah, all right, maybe they can't beat any good teams right now. And maybe we can have that conversation and that narrative or whatever. But this team, regardless, is still going to the playoffs. So if that's a learning experience for them, for this season, for next season, great. I know that's not what we want to hear because the season has been so good so far. But that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm oddly already satisfied with everything that has happened so far. You know, the defense has stepped up. It's being a lot more special than I anticipated it would be. It's put, kind of put an accelerator on it, and there's still more to come there. Uh, sure, offensively, you know, I think people have panicked, and I heard Jack Fritz on the on the Counterpoint podcast, and I know there's a, he's not alone in like, oh, man, is Carson Wentz bad now? <laughs> After having an, an MVP-like season up until Seattle, and, you know, some Dallas fans always kind of chirp in, He's saying, yes, he's just like Cousins. He can't be good teams. And, you know, there's that whole thing that happens there. But I just don't think mentally this team can go from that and just continue on down. It's just what happens in the NFL. At least I solely believe that. Um, and to make it a perfect Sunday like this, so you have now distance from the Saints, now even bigger distance from the Rams and the tiebreaker over them. You're still looking at Minnesota. It's scoreboard watching time. And for me, that's good enough. It's good enough to know that this team will 100% be in the playoffs and that there's still, no matter what, there's there's an opportunity to, to dance here, whether it's one home playoff game or two, or maybe it's none. Maybe it is none. And I think that that's another part of this where I, I don't really understand people's things here. It's like, oh my God, you have to have home field advantage. You have to have it, have to have it, have to have it. Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm not saying... You're you're wrong on on that at all, but this team has got to learn how to win playoff games on the road too. It's not like it's just kind of you know well you just always have to play at home. That's it's just an impossibility for any team that is that it goes through the ups and downs of and you're seeing it with Seattle and the Falcons and even the Saints to some regard. Like that's as much as. And, and this is something I haven't understood the entire week. As much as you want to crown those other teams and go, ooh, these guys, that's a real NFL team. That They've been there before. They've done all that stuff. Well, if they've done all that stuff and they've done that all, all before, why are they 9-4? and four? Why are they 9-3? and three? Why are they, you know, all that? I mean, other than the Vikings, which is the only team that, again, still scares me because it's just, 
It's the same thing. They're on a hot roll. Everything is going correctly. I can't figure out, just like as we were talking to Joe, I can't figure out the Case Keenum thing. That's an impossibility. How is he playing so well? <laughs> uh, and the defense is, is, is really good, and it's better than Seattle's. And I've thought about that a lot, about comparing those two things. Be like, man, that is, that is really tough. But at the end of the day, you know, like I said, this team will have to learn eventually how to win playoff games on the road. They've already proven that they can win on the road. Can they win on the road against really tough teams? You know, I, I if you want to put those in the really tough teams category, I'm with you. But they have beat a potential playoff team on the road on Thursday night on short rest. That's got to be a good thing. Yeah, they lost to Kansas City in the early goings, but they also won in Washington. They won in Los Angeles already against the Chargers, even though it felt like a home game. I, I get all that. But they're going to have to do the same things in the playoffs. And if people think for whatever reason, that they have to play Minnesota and they have a ton of success there and they get to Minnesota and they're just going to go, well, there's no home field advantage, so they're not going to win this one. I think there's plenty of motivation behind, hey, guys, if you win this football game, you're going to the Super Bowl, regardless of where it is. You can throw all that stuff out because we thought the same thing about the Tampa Bay Bucks in 02 or 03, 02, duh, when you're like, okay, well, there's no way that they can lose this game. And they did. They definitely did. The same momentum that I'm sure everybody's thinking in Minnesota right now, and why wouldn't you? Well, if the Eagles come here, pff, man, we got them. We'll take care of them. No, no problem. But you don't know who's going to be playing at what tempo, who's, you know, really got their momentum going, and that's all the playoffs are about. It could be the road team. It could be the bye team. It could be a lot of that stuff. The fact of the matter is the Eagles will be a part of the dance in its second year with a new coach and new quarterback that have that have grown tremendously, that is a defense that have grown tremendously. I'm okay with that. They are a Super Bowl contender, whether they are on the road, at home, whatever. Losing to the Rams would not change that. It really wouldn't. It would feel like it and would go, God, this team is just not good enough. And I'm not saying you can't feel that way. You can definitely feel that way. But today, tomorrow, uh, into week 17, when they wrap this thing up with Dallas, your Philadelphia Eagles are still a Super Bowl contender. And that's what I'm going with. And I'm happy with whatever happens after that. So, uh, that will do it for Friday Conversations. I'm so glad you got to hang out with me for a little bit. And we will be back on Sports Radio 94 WIP tomorrow night from 5 to 7. BLG might be absent, but me and James Seltzer will be there for all the glorious takes. And as always, just as we mentioned in the beginning of the program, it is getting that time, my friends. We were right before Christmas. It will sell out. It is getting very close. I advise you to buy tickets now. Come celebrate being right about Wentz, being right about the Sixers. If you are in and part of that Trust the Process crew with the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, undergroundartstheater.org for tickets, or you can look at our pinned tweet if you're on the twitter.com at BGN underscore radio, and that will take you directly to where you buy tickets for that. Larry Poff is going to be there. You know, Jeff Garcia, he's our baby. He's our baby. Uh, we'll be live on stage. Chris Ryan from The Ringer and the Ricky folks have a special surprise as well. So 
Look out for that. And uh, that's going to do it for Friday Conversations right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. Bye.